This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. Today for our teaching time, we are going to go over that awesome passage in Philippians. It talks about Jesus, of course, and what he did and how he viewed his, you know, his role in this process. And so it's Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. Now, to go back a little bit, we have to look at Paul's words in verse 3, because he says there, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Look at Paul's words there. He's giving us an exhortation to think about that, to think about how much of what we do is self-focused. How much of the things that we spend our time on don't lift up other people, but are designed to try to make ourselves look good. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been willing to throw somebody under the bus so you could look like you were the champion of the moment? Now, that's a general problem with human nature because generally most of us, regardless of how altruistic many of our motives for doing things may be, when push comes to shove, who are we looking out for most? Number one, all right? But now Paul tells us, don't do that. And there's a reason, because he's getting ready to tell us that have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Have this mind in yourselves. David Guzik writes about this passage that it is all too easy for us to read the following description of Jesus and admire it from a distance. God wants us to be awed by it, but also to see it as something that we must enter into and imitate. Let this mind means that it is something that we have a choice about. And believe it or not, we do have a choice on whether or not we do that. Now, what's going on here is that word for mind is Froneo. Now, that doesn't mean anything to most of us because we don't know any Greek and we probably don't care to. Now, phroneo has to do with our understanding and our attitudes and our mindset. You remember the series of messages we did a few, about a year or so ago on the issue of mindset? Do we have a growth mindset, which is one where we're open to correction and instruction and we're teachable? Or do we have this mind where we think we already have it all figured out and nobody can tell us anything and we're okay right where we are? Now, the idea here is that we need to have Jesus's mindset. Now, Jesus's mindset, what was that like? What was Jesus's mindset? Anybody want to take a shot at that? 
What's that? He put us all first. He put everyone else first. And that's probably the biggest thing right there. Jesus wasn't in this for himself. He was in it for all of us. And so if we're going to have the mindset of Jesus, we need to have that mindset that says, I got to look after others. I got to take care of my brothers and sisters. I have to take care of my brothers and sisters in Christ at the church. I have to take care of my grandparents. I have to take care of my mom and dad. I have to take care of everybody else, my friends, my workmates. I've got to see that all of those people have a sense of purpose and enjoyment about their lives. And so that's how joy is going to come to each one of us. Believe it or not, if we see that our efforts at lifting up other people are bearing fruit, that's going to minister on the inside of us. But our mindset isn't to think about that first. It's to do it and then let it happen. What does Peter say? Exalt somebody else and you will be exalted at the proper time. So think about other people first and then and only then do you worry about yourself. Because if you think about other people first, guess who's going to be taking care of you? God, Jesus, yes. Now, and if he takes care of you, are you going to be in pretty good shape? Because guess what? Jesus can take care of us better than we can ever take care of ourselves through our own efforts and our own energies. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, so we have the mindset of Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now, I read a very interesting thing about that. It's that Jesus didn't count that equality with God a thing to be grasped. Why? Because he already had it. He was God in the flesh. So he didn't need to chase it and to try to apprehend it and hold on to it for dear life. He already was God. So... He didn't need to be doing that. Now, we've all been accustomed to thinking that, well, Jesus, you know, he was just not really interested in thinking about himself being God. You know, he was interested in just doing the will of the Father. And that's true. But he was already God and he didn't need to try to chase after that thing and to hold on to it. If you ever chased after a, an award of some kind or some prize or some promotion and chased it and chased it and chased it and just constantly got frustrated because you didn't get it. You see, that wasn't the case here with Jesus. He knew who he was. He knew who he was from the get and go. And he didn't have to worry about whether or not he was equal with God. But it says then he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Now, Emptying himself, we think about that means that he surrendered everything. He gave up his divine status. He gave up all of that stuff and he came down to earth. But that is not exactly how that works. This is the circumstance of Jesus 
attitude making. Now Paul describes the reasoning behind Jesus' choice of attitude or perspective. Paul says Jesus did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Jesus was already in the most amazing location with the most amazing relationships and the most amazing situation that one could ever imagine. But Jesus did not regard his high estate, his equality with God in heaven as a thing to be grasped, as we were just saying. Jesus did not cling to his favorable circumstance. He did not see it as something to be hoarded or defended. He held it with an open hand as stewardship. Now, Jesus willingly emptied himself by stepping away from all the great and favorable circumstances he enjoyed. Rather than cling to his station in heaven, acting as the God of the universe, he took on the form of a bondservant. And being made in the likeness of men, Jesus became human. The God who created the universe became a part of the creation he had made. Do we ever think about that? The God who created the universe became a part of the creation that he had made. He came down here and lived on the earth. The king of the world was born to a humble family in an occupied land. At that time, Israel was occupied militarily by whom? Rome. And at that time, that was the biggest military machine around, was the Roman army. And so, now verse 8 says, In being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of a cross, of the cross. He humbled himself when he became obedient. This was something that Jesus could only experience by coming down from the throne of heaven and becoming a man. When God sits enthroned in heaven's glory, there is no one he obeys. Jesus had to leave heaven's glory and be found in appearance as a man in order to become obedient. He had to have that God-man status. All God and all man. And it's the Jesus, the man, who learned that obedience because he was in the form of a man. Now, one key to Jesus' obedience on earth, as David Guzik writes still, was the endurance of suffering. This, again, was something he could only learn by experience after the incarnation. As it is written, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Indeed, he humbled himself. He was humble in that he took the form of a man and not a more glorious creature like an angel. He was humble in that he was born into an obscure, oppressed place. He was humble in that he was born as a child instead of appearing as a man. Not being a hologram or anything. He was actually born as a human being. He was humble in submitting to the obedience appropriate to a child in a household. What does it say in Luke chapter 2? After he went back to Nazareth, he was then in subjection to his earthly mother and father. In other words, he said, yes ma'am and no ma'am and yes sir and no sir. He was obedient even to that level. He was humble in learning and practicing a trade. A humble trade of a carpenter. 
He was humble in the long wait until he launched out into public ministry. He had to wait how long? 30 years. Folks, we have a hard time waiting until tomorrow. But Jesus waited for 30 years to do his public ministry, and he was humble in the companions and disciples he chose. He was humble in the audience he appealed to and the way he taught, and he was humble in temptations. He allowed and endured, and he was humble in the weakness, hunger, thirst, and tiredness he endured. Because remember, he was asleep in the back of the boat because, one, he was tired. Because in his humanity, he got tired, he got hungry, he got thirsty, he got all of those things that we do. He already knew intellectually what it was like, but here now we have his example. He came and he did it for us. And so we can go to the Lord and say, Lord, please help me with this. And know for our blessing that he understands that because he endured it himself. And so with that in mind, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And he was exalted, and he will be the return to Christ. And every knee will bow and under heaven and under earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So let's get some practice in and start praising him and confessing him as Lord right now. So have some practice now. You know, say praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your Power for Living.